Hi, you're listening to a podcast brought to you by the teaching team at New Life in North Lincolnshire. New Life is committed to helping transform people and transform places through the love and power of Jesus Christ. We hope you, in some small way, will be blessed and transformed by this message. Wow. Ooh. My wife would argue that I maybe don't need amplification. But it's really useful. The other thing I will say is I um, have this growth here that I may get distracted by because it's the first time I've spoken with such a microphone. I like to be tethered usually with a wire because I also move around. So I'm relying on my exceptional friend Jack that if I do move around too much. And Dan said, do you want a handheld microphone? No. Far too much of the lateral movement is going on. So, with that out of the way, uh, Dina introduced me. So, I'm Tim Monaghan, and I have the absolute privilege of being a part of the team that provides services through our homeless sector. So, working at the Lighthouse and working with some absolutely amazing and dedicated people, and I am so privileged to be there. It's an absolute joy. I have a background in social work, so I trained as a social worker, and my area of speciality was mental health. I worked in adult mental health in the East Riding of Yorkshire. I apologise if my accent distracts. It might change. It does that throughout as I speak. It's been amazing to recap the, the essence uh, sermon series over the past three weeks have some new parts and I would really encourage you to, to go back and listen not only to the three that we've just had but the three previous ones and one of the ones that really spoke to me was compass not clock it was absolutely awesome because I want everything and I'd quite like it now yeah. and I'd quite like a map or a sat nav and of course that's not what a compass provides it gives you a direction And it means as we we rely on God for our next steps. I'm also uh, a husband, so I'm married to the absolutely amazing Andrea. We've been married for just, well, we've just missed our 26th birthday uh, birthday anniversary. We both (laughs) forgot, so that's okay. Um, Fortunately, the card that comes from my parents reminds us, but it didn't arrive in advance like it normally does, because it came via our beautiful but slightly disorganized daughter. Uh, So uh, we noticed it on the day. Uh, I got it first. (laughs) So I wished Andrea a happy anniversary, <laughs> winning at life. I'm also living proof that you can be a vegan and not thin. <laughs> it's truth. If I was a better vegan, that would have been the first thing I said. Hello, my name's Tim, and I'm a vegan, um, with a slightly superior look to all of you that enjoy bacon. Get off. <laughs> oh, no, you'll make me blush. Um, Jack and I are part of River City Church in Hull, and we, we are part of a family that works in the east, east of Hull, near the, near the Big Asda, that used to be the Big Woolworths. And it's great to be with you today. And I'm in that position of, it's slightly strange, because I feel kind of like a visiting speaker, because my mate's there being encouraging. That's fantastic. But I know quite a few of you, and I'm part of the, of the body that's providing services in this town. So it's really bizarre, but absolutely beautiful. And I want to share with you this morning something that God has placed in my heart not long after I started working at the Lighthouse. So it's been brewing for a while. I have to say, when I came to work at the Lighthouse, I was looking to work on hull docks. Not physical labour, obviously. (laughs) 
Uh, for the customs service, I'd, uh, I've been working as a pastor in, in, on Bransome in, in Hull. And I thought, actually, I think the time as a pastor is, is drawing to a close and I'd like a job with regular hours and no mobile phone contact number. Uh, and I applied for that job and got through. It was with the civil service, so of course it was taking forever. Uh, and I got through the first couple of stages. And I'm like, oh, no, it's, I can cycle to work. And then the job advert came for, for the job that I do now. And my wife went, Tim, that's your job. You need to apply for that. And I'm a little bit slow on the uptake occasionally, which is why that I, it's good that I'm married. Andrew is much more with it. And it's been amazing ever since. But as I came into homeless services, it was a new experience for me. And one of the things that absolutely hit me was the fear. Part of that was my fear, coming into a new area, a new group of people. But partly it was the fear that the people I worked with every day felt. You could feel it. And I want to talk to you about three ways that I think fear can affect our lives. And hopefully we'll get to the point at the end where I bring some resolution to that and the amazing way that God works with us and through us. So our next slide is a bit of a, it's a, bit of a beaut, I have to say. Fear can separate us from our communities. Fear can just divide not only us as a body of people with the faith from our communities but from communities in a community. We make people them. They are, they choose, they decided to live like that. And when we make somebody them, they, or we class them together in a group, it's so easy to push them aside. I'm going to share a picture that is quite big there. So there's two things this shows me. One is that I cannot have good hair and a good beard. Because that is me taking... I, I worked out how long ago it was. It's thir- just over 30 years ago. And that young man is a, a young man called Marius. We're in the, the basement of what was called a children's hospital in the very, very north of Romania in a place called Silet. This young man had been pushed so far to the edge of his community and his society. He's about nine years old. But he had been absolutely neglected by a system. He was cared for by some amazing women who looked after rooms with 40 or 50 children in. But because of the way that the government worked, this young man was unwanted. But not by his parents. You see, in that time, parents couldn't afford to feed their children. But the government said that every woman had to have five children. Because the socialist government at the time was going to make an amazingly strong Romania. Women were subjected to awful examinations. Abortion was illegal and contraception was unavailable. And these children were pushed aside. The greatest sadness is, I know, because he's got hair, that the carers were frightened of him because he was ill. You see, all of the children had their heads shaved. It was easy 
to keep on top of lice. Marius could grow his hair because they thought he had AIDS and nobody wanted to touch him. And what we used to do as a group of really naive, if my daughter came to me, so I was about 20 then, I said, oh, Dad, I'm going to this country that's just had a revolution uh, to work in this hospital. Is that okay? I would freak out in ways yet to be invented. But that's what I did to my parents, and some of you know them. I went home one day and said, oh, you know that revolution that's just happened? I'm going to that country. And off I went. You see, that group of children had become them. It had become them. And that is dangerous. And this is really, originally, where I wanted to land my sermon. I thought it would be really dramatic. The issue I wanted to show was that we live in a community where there are them. You will walk past people every day on the street, begging, using drugs, under the influence of alcohol, and for so many, they are them. As a church, you are involved in the solution. Because every day, members of your congregation, whether they're employed or volunteers, whether it's in Gifted or the Lighthouse or Open House or Food at Family Bank, are ministering to the thems every single day. Now, the true freedom doesn't come from a bed to sleep in. That's, it's good. It's good that we provide a bed to sleep in. I was watching a video Russ sent me on YouTube of, of Dave Aldridge talking about the lighthouse. And it was awesome because saying some of the things that I, want, I say all the time. And he was talking about love and tough love. And that is where we need to be. We need to be that every single person that comes into contact with us doesn't see fear in our eyes. They see love. From the first person they encounter, whether it's in reception or at family bank or gifted or at the lighthouse, they know that they are loved, that they're not feared, and that they are not them. So thank you. Thank you for the dedication to these projects over the years, for the financial support, the decisions that have allowed it to grow and develop. But what I would say is we're not doing enough. <laughs> Soz. <laughs> I know I'm supposed to make you feel uplifted. <laughs> we'll get there at the end. Um, but we're not doing enough because needs are changing. Our community is changing. Homelessness is still an issue. And we need to do more. And if you want to speak to me afterwards about how you can do more, that would be absolutely awesome. But what I need you to do is pray. I need you to pray for the staff, for the volunteers, and for the individuals that come into our service. Because that's the only way people will find real freedom. I don't want our services to be places of rules and regulations. Because as soon as you apply a rule, you give people the opportunity to fail. And that's not the business we are in. Fear can also separate us... So us as a body and as a family from our people. I have been in church all my life, literally. That's what I know. And I've had some amazing times in church. I've felt amazing love. I've felt amazing support. But I've also felt 
amazing fear, isolation, and separation. I want to look at a piece of scripture that sort of identifies that. And it's from Luke, so we're going to, I'm going to read it to you. I'm going to read it off this screen because I've realized that these slides on my screen are actually too small. And my very focals are not that strong. A woman who was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years, but no one could heal her. She came up behind him and touched the edge of his cloak, and immediately her bleeding stopped. Who touched me, Jesus said. When they all denied it, Peter said, Master, the people are crowding and pressing against you. But Jesus said, Someone touched me, and I know that power has gone out from me. Then the woman, seeing that she could not go unnoticed, came trembling and fell at his feet. In the presence of all the people, she told why she had touched him, and she had been instantly healed. Then he said to her, Daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace. Now, this account in Luke actually comes in the middle of another account of a miracle. And it comes in the middle of when Jairus, we know Jairus as a name, because one is a man, and two, he was a leader in the synagogue. So he gets a name. The woman is a woman. And that straight away tells me one thing. She was already at a disadvantage. She was a woman. So Jairus had come and he's thrown himself down at Jesus' feet and begged him to come and save his daughter who was so close to death he didn't even know whether she was still alive. But not only was this woman a woman, but she had an issue where she was bleeding. And the law of that time said she was unclean. And really she should be far away from everybody else because if she touched them or touched something that they touched, then they would become unclean. I cannot imagine the isolation and the fear that woman must have felt. I make the assumption, although I don't think it's actually said that she was Jewish, but she was within that community and the fact that she was bleeding was an issue. So her faith community was not something that provided her support. Because the rules said she was unclean. People will have looked at her sideways, avoided her in the street. And by being around people, she was breaking the law. I know there have been times when within church I've built those things in my mind. If people really knew what I was like. If they really knew what I thought in my head, or that I don't do a quiet time for 10 minutes as soon as I open my eyes every morning, or that I watch that film. I mean, I know watching going to the cinema is not an issue anymore, but it used to be. If they knew that, they wouldn't like me. One of the reasons that Jack is with me, beyond him being an absolutely awesome friend, is that I feel... Every time I've preached, I kind of thought I'd finished with this, if I'm honest. Oh, fab. No more preaching. It's an amazing privilege, and I've enjoyed preparing for it. But every time I come, my hands are freezing cold. I am anxious. From Friday, I've been like, oh, preaching, okay, Lord, you've got it. But what if you say something and they find out they don't really like you? What if you say something or you don't say something or you misquote the Bible verse or you stumble on what you're saying, they won't 
like you, and you, you're probably best not do it, really, because you're probably not good enough. And I know that I've spent years in church where I've thought, mm, I want to be there in the middle, but because of how I feel, it's safer to be on the outside. And that's not how we are designed. We are designed to be in family and in community. Because it's when we are in family and in community, we are effective. It's those conversations that we have in the lighthouse where we are positive and we build each other up. That we're not negative and pull each other down. There is a true demonstration of how God sees us. And we approach that freedom by being honest, by being open and accepting that love that people around us have for us. The last way that I feel that fear can cause us issues is that fear can separate us from God. Now, before I say any more, God never leaves us. <laughs> I'm talking about that fear, that level of experience that I know I have placed in between me and my relationship with God. It's not a God thing. I, when I reread that slide, I thought, oh, I hope people don't think that when we are fearful, God moves away from us. God's love is a, is a constant for us. At the very beginning of our recorded history, fear entered our relationship at the same time that sin did. And we're going to look at how that happened from this verse from Genesis. Then the man and his wife heard the voice of God walking in the garden in the breeze of the day. And they hid themselves from the presence of the, God, of the Lord God amongst the trees of the garden. But the Lord called out to the man, where are you? I heard your voice in the garden, he replied, and I was afraid because I was naked. So I hid myself. At that moment, a perfect relationship is shattered. But God didn't enter the garden in the way that I sometimes have made it in my head. This is for you, Jack. It wasn't like Godzilla <laughs> stomping through the garden with raptor-sharp vision looking for Adam. We are ultimately naive if we don't think that God knew exactly where Adam was. But he didn't start by... You sinful, disobedient man, I know what you have done. God called out, where are you? An invitation to response, not a shove away in anger. And I think those fears and thoughts that we're not good enough can affect too Types of people in two very different ways. You might be here this morning or, or watching online thinking, oh, I'm just not good enough. I could never be accepted by God because I know what I not only did last summer, but I did 
the summer before and the year before, and I probably know that I'm going to do some more great bad things next week, and so God, God won't accept me, so I can't be a, a part of that family. And if you're in that place, I just want to say that God's love for you is so immense. He stands with that question, where are you? Not to, un- to understand where your geographic location is, but to where is your heart? Where, where are you? And sometimes it is so quiet, we don't hear it above the noise within our own heads. But the invitation is always there. And we're going to pray together a prayer in a while where you'll have the opportunity to say, I'm here. But for those of us who are in a relationship, sometimes we get busy and stuff happens. The busyness of the day, of the week, our jobs, our relationships, our friendships, all of those things. And God sounds so very far away that it almost feels like we're just not part of the family anymore. And that's not true. I am probably one of the most impractical men around. I, I, and I don't enjoy DIY. It's, it's, if no more nails isn't going to do it, I have no real interest. <laughs> but what I do like to see is those home renovation programs. And when somebody, or on... Um, um, oh, actually, that's <laughs> probably too much of an insight into who I am. Uh, On Instagram, you get those little films that come on, and there are some, because this computer is learning more about me than I'd care to share ordinarily, (laughs) there are some that keep coming up on mine of dirty pieces of jewellery that go into this machine, and it cleans them, and and there's clouds of, of muck just lift off, and out comes this ring, and it absolutely sparkles. And sometimes, as Christians, we need to get to that point where we go, God... I can't carry on slogging through life with this stuff that's just built up around me. My sparkle has gone. But I'm frightened. I'm frightened that you'll look at the stuff that's got in the way of the sparkle and go, oh, Tim, what have you done? Why have you allowed these things to come in the way of our relationship? And we're going to go on a journey now back through these points. And the answer to relieving fear in our relationship to God is very easy. We surrender our fear to him. Now, I know that in preparing to speak, God often challenges me about the things that he needs to challenge me about. uh, Because as I said earlier, not always the brightest penny and it takes me a while so I understand how this feels and I like to think that I'm and, well I'm a bit of a control enthusiast really <laughs> I like uh, a plan and then a backup plan uh, as long as it's not DIY and then maybe another backup plan and I know there comes times when I have to surrender my plan and my hurts and my fear And there is security in fear. Fear is a part of our world and it will never go away. And it is there to protect us. But our relationship with God is ultimately safe. 
And we're going to have an opportunity this morning to do just that. It's to give those fears to God and say, I can't. And you can. Please take them. And I have this image of just these clouds. Watch these videos. They're awesome. These clouds of this, this, the detritus that builds up. And that can be ministry as well as anything else. I stand here and I worked in, in pastoral ministry for so long that I got to the point where I said, I can't. I have no more to give, hence the job on the docks. That's it. I, don't, I can't do anything else. And my initial resistance to more work with people, I would, it was a job checking fruit and veg. Oh, it's like a vegan's dream. <laughs> but we're going to have the opportunity shortly as, as uh, the ministry team and the small group leaders will come and we will listen to some music and we'll have that opportunity. And if you have not got to that point in your uh, I would say we're all on a faith journey. <laughs> Everybody is. We don't always necessarily realise it. But if you're in that place of your faith journey, either here this morning or, or at home, um, we're going to pray a prayer that allows you to take that step and, and engage in the most significant relationship that we can engage in. You are a beautiful group of people. You are not, however, perfect. So, sorry, you're not. You're not perfect. You will have rubbed up against each other. One of the things I really love about this church is uh, I listen to people talk, you know, on a Wednesday night as I listen to the volunteers from Open House and, and the, the years that that's been going and the conversations about how things were and what it was like in the little church over, over the road. There is a real history there. But believe me, you will have bumped up against each other for years and there is no expectation of perfection, but there is an expect expectation of acceptance and love. Yeah. And we need to get to that point sometimes in our relationships with each other where we go, I know that person, there is one love left and they live on it. And every time I see them, I smile graciously and, and bless them. But humanly, we sometimes need to get to the point where we go, I can't fix that but I can give it to God. Because when we lose our connection with each other as God's people, we lose our effectiveness. This world is full of division and backbiting and nastiness. This has to be a place where love absolutely rules. And if you need to lay those things down this morning, fab, God's all over that. And we can do that in a safe place together. My dream for this job that I do is to make myself redundant, ultimately. That would be awesome. The kind of tagline for the homeless service is breaking the cycle of homelessness in North Lincolnshire. That would be absolutely awesome. We're not there. We're not there yet. But as a church body, there are opportunities for you guys to get involved Open House supports people so marginalised that they don't even realise that they have a place. Family Bank intervenes into one of the most tricky part times in a, in a family or a parent's life where you've got this new person and no one really prepares you. But to have someone that will listen 
gifted is there to step into women's lives. And the lighthouse is there as a place of safety and love. The subtitle for my text is, uh, Let's Sit With It Together. And I believe that as a church, as a ministry, we are called to sit with people in the most difficult times. And we hold that fear with them, not in a place or a time of judgment, not even bringing the answers, because we are not that good. But we hold times of distress and fear, and we introduce the idea of a loving father, the creator of the universe that can step in and radically change people's lives. You are all a part of that ministry in some way as part of this church. But we need more. We need more. We need more people to pray. We need more volunteers. And I know in a group of people who work so hard and give so much, it's like, oh, well, all he's done is use his sermons, an opportunity to recruit more volunteers. This is one of the most rewarding jobs I've had. I spent years answering to local government and filling in forms and justifying my time. I now get a chance to sit with people and they tell, and they tell us their, about their lives and they open up in ways that it's such a privilege. And we can introduce love. Now, I am also a talker. And there are times when I need to go, right, that's enough. Because I cannot bring the answers. And what I want to do is invite uh, the, the band up. And I'm going to say that prayer. And you can join this prayer of salvation, we call it, which is a you know, fantastic word. But it's a prayer that just recognizes the fact that we do need a relationship with God. And if you pray that prayer for the first time there will be people at the New Here banner afterwards that will pray with you and they will give you some uh, material that will help you in your steps. They'll give you some direction. But I also want to invite you all to the front. Because unfortunately, tackling fear <laughs> involves tackling fear and it involves taking a bit of a risk and there are people in this uh, church who care for you deeply and would like to stand with you in prayer to bring these things back to God they don't necessarily have the answers but they do know who does is that okay fabulous so I'm going to pray and then uh, people can have the opportunity to come forward if they would like to do some business today father I'm going to pray this as if I'm praying for the first time. It's, it's, we're, we're okay with that. Father, I understand that I am not able to control my life. And I recognize that you love me enough to send your son to die for me on the cross. And my response to that love is to answer the question of where are you? I recognize that I need to submit my way to you. To turn away from my selfish life and walk into your love.
Amen. So if you've prayed that prayer for the first time, there are some amazing people who will speak to you after the service at the New Here banner. And as the band minister to us, and you would like prayer, if the prayer team, the ministry team could come forward as people need that support, that would be great. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening to this message from New Life in North Lincolnshire. To find out more, do visit us online at newlifechurch.uk or why not pay us a visit? We'd love to see you.